You are listening to The Nameless Minority. Let's get started. Today we talk to Santa Walt Queen. Walt is a coworker, a colleague, and an inspiration. Let's take a listen. Walt, welcome to the Nameless Minority Podcast. How are you today, sir? Uh, I'm doing well, thank you. Well, you know why you're on this podcast. It's because you've lost a child or children. Um, first off, can you tell me a little bit about Jackie and Jill and what their personalities were like? Yeah, certainly can. Uh, Jackie was born in uh, 1969. Uh, she was such a dynamic child, really, all the way through high school. And she was starting her junior year of college at Northern Kentucky University. Uh, She had a double major uh, and also worked in a pharmacy for about 30 hours a week. Uh, Jill was uh, born in 1972, I believe, 71, I'm sorry. And uh, she was, I think she's, she was the closest thing to God that I've ever encountered. She was, uh, she was an exceptional child that was uh, so kind and so compassionate. And really, uh, she was, she had just graduated from uh, Oldham County High School and was headed to Northern Kentucky to join Joanna, uh, I mean, Jackie, I'm sorry. Uh, to join Jackie. I have four girls and I probably will mix the names up several times during our conversation. You're fine, Walt. Did I hear that she was the valedictorian of her class? Uh, well, that's, that's what I said, but I think she was, uh, you know, she was national honor society and, um, uh, what was it? Magna cum laude or something. I can't remember now. It's been, been 32 years so i I don't recall really but uh yeah the the uh the the accident that took their lives was just a short time after uh, she had graduated from high school can you just go ahead and tell us about the accident yeah let me let me start a day before that because i think it helps to helps to paint the picture a little bit better um as I said, Jackie was getting ready to start her junior year at Northern Kentucky University, and Jennifer was getting ready to start her. I'm sorry, Jill was getting ready to start her her first year at Northern Kentucky University. And in order to do that, we had to, to go up and get registered. Uh, Barbara and I took the girls up there to Northern Kentucky. And uh, they went through the whole process. Uh, they wanted to live off campus. So uh, we looked at some apartments and uh, they selected apartments. They made application and because both of them worked and had a good credit and, uh, you know, good reputations, they were able to, to get an apartment without uh, my wife and me having to co-sign. For them. So it was a, it was a uh, memorable day. In fact, 
if I had to describe the the most memorable day that that I can recall about those two girls, it would be that day. It was, you know, I don't know how a dad could be prouder of his daughters than than I was of those two girls. And so we uh, we we got through the the enrollment process. We drove back to Louisville, and uh, we had uh, dinner at our house that evening. In fact, our pastor and his wife came over. We were just really uh, having a, an amazing time together. Uh, went to bed that evening uh, about as high as a parent could possibly be. And uh, the next morning, I, I had to be up in central Indiana, Shelbyville, Indiana, and I didn't get to say goodbye to the girls, which I normally did, but they were still in bed when I had to leave. And so I went on to North, uh, to Central Indiana, and some of the girls got ready uh, like they had many previous days. In fact, they were both working at a pharmacy uh, in Louisville. It was a, a medical facility, a uh, pharmacy. In the, in the actual medical facility. And uh, this was the last day of their work before they started getting ready to head off to college. They left to home uh, probably around, uh, I guess around 8.15, something like that. 8.45, they entered uh, interstate, uh, 65 headed south they only got as far as hospital curve and on hospital curve uh they were struck by a junk car that came off of a, a flatbed truck that was headed northbound on 65 and uh, they were instantly killed wow jackie was 20 Jill was 18. Walt, in, in my case, my daughter was taking, taken from me by a terminal illness. Your two daughters were taken from you and your family by the carelessness of an individual. How did you deal with the anger towards that person, and how did you come to forget him? Well, Barbara and I and our other two daughters well, all four of our daughters uh, lived with a God-centered lifestyle. We, we felt that God should be at the center of our lives. And uh, uh, that, was, that was really the thing that, that drove me to the point of being able to, uh, to actually forgive the recklessness of this driver. Now, Jerry, to be quite honest, I don't know what I would have done if I had encountered him, you know, shortly after that wreck. And, and I give thanks to God that I didn't have that uh, opportunity to occur. But in the course of uh, the year after, after their death, uh, there was a trial. And uh, the day of his uh, uh, final uh, decision on time and time he would serve and so forth, he was convicted. He was convicted of uh, three counts of reckless homicide and uh, was looking at a, a fairly lengthy prison uh, term. 
probably in the neighborhood of five to 10 years. But I, I just felt like uh, God was saying uh, to me that it was imperative that I forgive this man. And so I talked to Barbara and the girls about it and we collectively agreed that I would do that. And uh, so when, uh, when we got to the courtroom and, and everything was about to conclude, I asked the judge if I could have permission to, to speak to uh, the young man that had killed our daughter, daughters and the judge, and he gave me permission. And I just, I told him that we forgave him. We didn't hate him. Uh, we just hoped that God could use, do something special in his life. And then we asked the judge if he would consider not sending this young man to prison. And he chose, the judge chose that, to do that based on uh, the request that, that I made. I can tell you that I have never regretted for a breath making that decision and doing what we did. And there have been many, many opportunities for people to be touched by that act and to, uh, you know, have things change in their lives. Now, I can't, I can't speak to anyone else's situation out there that may be listening to this, uh, you know, to this interview. But for for my family, we felt that it was imperative that we do that, that we forgive this man. And it was, I think, an act that was more important to my family than it even was to the young men that kill the girls, because this type of tragic death so often ends up in uh, families being split, um, marriages being destroyed, uh, and all sorts of other things that might occur as a result of it. So I, that's, I, I can tell you, you're definitely a, a stronger man than I would have been, Walt. Well, it's, but Jerry, I don't take credit for it. That's the difference, I think. Uh, there, there have been a lot of things that I've had to deal with and Barbara has had to deal with. Barbara's my wife and she's sitting here with us, but I don't know if we're going to, she might answer some questions, but uh, I don't think I'm special, but the one that I serve is special. And he gives me the courage to do the things that we've done. And uh, I would never take credit for that because no credit due to me, the credit needs to go to the Lord. I am, um, I, I am truly impressed by people who can hold on to their faith through situations like that. Well, I can tell you a, just a quick little story. For the longest time, Jerry, I used to say, you know, I was talking to people about the girls and, you know, like today, if, if it had been a few years ago, I would have said, you know, the first thing I'm going to do when I cross over and meet God is I'm going to ask him why. 
I think that's just a normal uh, action for people that are believers. But, you know, one morning I woke up and now this was an immediate experience. I woke up and I immediately uttered these words. Father, the answer doesn't matter to me anymore. I trust you. You are sovereign. And my faith is stronger, Lord, by not wanting to know why. And I laid that down that morning. And I've not, I've not suffered from that. To me, it was almost like I was using that as, a, as an excuse to not let go. And after I did that, it was it was just uh, it was just freedom for me. I uh, I can't you know I can't tell anyone else that may be listening to this how to do it, but I know that that's the reason that Barbara and I survived uh, for 32 years after we lost our girls. So what do you think your first question will be now then? My first question will be to embrace my daughters and kiss them. Yeah. And, uh, and then standing right next to them, I hope will be my mother and my father and my grandparents and my friends, my friends, Ronnie, who was my best friend in high school. Uh, there won't be any questions. Gotcha. Yesterday we talked a little bit about um, when people find out that you've lost the kid that they say, I'm sorry. And you and I both agreed that um, we don't think that that's the proper expression to use when talking to someone. Right. Um, can you, can you tell me what you said that you tell people? Yeah. Well, the, there's only, in our situation, there's only one person that should say, I'm sorry. And that was the truck driver that killed them. The rest of them, you know, when I deal with something like uh, our, ex our experience, like your experience, I use the word saddened because it saddens my spirit. But then I, you know, from there I go to, I go to, uh, asking for God to comfort them, to cover them with uh, a, a blanket of comfort. Uh, and uh, I never say I'm sorry because I didn't have anything to do with the, with the death or the tragedy, you know? Yeah, that's exactly the way I think about it. And it's, uh, it, it, that again is liberating because, it, it, you know, we shouldn't, um, uh, bind ourselves into a situation like that to be saddened about it. Oh yes. I'm saddened to, he to hear the story of your daughter. I've listened to, to part of the interview with your wife and I just, it saddens me. In fact, it, it brings me to tears when I think about you losing your precious daughter. And you know, our, our loss uh, Jerry was instant. Your loss was over. I don't know how long she suffered, but it was not instant. And, and I've wondered how would I deal with that? 
I hope that I would deal with it the same way I'm, I've dealt with the, with the loss of uh, Jackie and Jill. But uh, well, I, I can t- I can tell you that the only way that we looked at it was it's our kid. All of this is normal. Whatever we're going through, we had no idea what we were doing, but we did it. Right. That's the only things that I can tell you is when people say, I don't know how you did it. Well, you have other kids. You would do anything for those kids. So you you do know how we did it. And again, we are nothing special. We just did what we needed to do to make that kid comfortable and make that kid's life the best as possible. Yes. Um, That's right. So both of your girls, one was headed to college and one was already in college, what do you think their professions would have been? Well, I, I would say Jackie would definitely have been, she's the oldest, uh, she would have been a pharmacist because she was working at a pharmacy and she loved it and they'd already told her that if she wanted to go into pharmacy school, they would fund it. She was that dynamic. She, she had a dub, double major, uh, one of her majors was information systems and the other was business management. And with those two majors, plus a degree in pharmacy, she would have been a, a top flight pharmacist. Jill, on the other hand, <laughs> she would be a, a homemaker. She only went to college to be with her sister and to support her. That's the reason that's, that's the kind of compassion she had for her sister and for people in general. Huh. That's interesting. She would be much like her mom. Walt, can you explain to me how Santa Walt became? (laughs) Well, uh, that was an interesting uh, beginning. Uh, it started, I think, 15 years ago. I think this was my 15th season. And uh, 15 years ago, man, I, I had no idea that I was going to be a Santa Claus. Um, but I had a friend that I worked with, and uh, he one day approached me, and he said, uh, I need you to deliver a puppy to my daughter. And he didn't, didn't in the beginning say why. I said, what do you mean deliver a puppy to my, to your daughter? And he said, I want you to be Santa and deliver a puppy to my daughter. <laughs> and I said, you know, my first excuse was, well, I don't even have a costume. How, Ronnie, how can I possibly do that? He said, well, we'll buy you a costume. I just need Santa to bring this puppy to my daughter. So I said, I agreed with him. I mean, I didn't think it would be, amount to anything. Uh, but, uh, I went, I met him and got the puppy and went to his house and uh, she opened the door and saw me and the look on her face, I knew it was, I knew that I was going to be Santa. So I've seen that look on kids face when they approach you, whether it's springtime, summer, fall, winter, I mean, you can be decked out just in a collared shirt and a pair of shorts and kids run in and to see that, that smile upon their face. Uh, and, and then I can see the smile come back on your face, man, is, um, 
as, as, as I could tell why you do it. Yeah, it's a, uh, I want to, I want to make sure that your audience understands that I as Santa, that's my title, Santa. Uh, that part of Christmas is the secular part. For me, the, the important part of Christmas is, is recognizing and celebrating the birth of Christ. But it's, uh, it's amazing uh, how much joy and happiness being Santa generates with the kids and, and their moms and dads. And believe it or not, for a lot of uh, adults, especially even senior adults, to see, you know, to see Santa Claus. And uh, so, you know, people will say, you're, you're early, aren't you, Santa? You know, it's still, <laughs> still a couple of months till Christmas. I said, no, it's not. It's Christmas for me every day. I, I, celebrate, I celebrate the birth of a king every day. So, and then they'll either say, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll just walk away, you know. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, Christmas for me is so much more than just Santa Claus. So I've always known you as Santa since we worked together uh, in the retail environment. Uh, you have that persona, that smile, and the ability to talk to kids like no one else that I've met. How do you cope with those days that life throws you that curveball and just brings up those sporadic memories of Jackie and Jill? You know, I can honestly say, uh, and I know it's not as easy for Barbara as it is for me, but there are very few days that I have to deal with that. Uh, because you know, there are good memories of my daughters in my past. And and my heart says that they're in my future as well, waiting for me. So it's there's not a lot there to be sad about. Now, I mean, I'm sad about them not being here. There's times when I think about, I wonder how many kids they would add to our number. We have seven grandkids, and it could very well have been uh, 10, 12, 14, who knows. But uh I really don't have to deal with that to any great extent with the exception of the months of June, July, and August. And, and I have, I have tagged that period of time, Jerry, that the, the tunnel of sorrow. And to me, it's like for Jill was born in June, Jackie born in July. And then their wreck that they were in was, uh, August uh, 10th, 1989. So for those three months, it's tough. But um, we always come out on the other side. And, and see, I think for us, the thing that I, I would say keeps us going day to day would be the fact that we believe our daughters are in our future. So when I was, when they were young, you know, old enough to understand, but young, I felt impressed to share the, the gospel with them both. And, and I heard them uh, invite Jesus into their lives. I heard them confess 
make the sinner's prayer confession. Uh, I heard them uh, as I talked to them about being filled with God's spirit. They understood that. And then honestly, I took them out and baptized them in the swimming pool. So at their funeral, I didn't have to mourn their, their death with uncertainty. As a believer, I believe they're in my future. And, you know, I have no other plan, Jerry. I mean, it's, there is no plan B for Barbara and me. It's, they are in our future, and that's our belief. And there's nothing that can shake that or take it away from us. That's fantastic, Walt. What, what advice do you have for other parents dealing with the loss of a child? Well, my advice first goes to the people that are trying to console the families that have lost a child. Uh, my, my advice to them would be don't give a lot of advice. Just be with them. Uh, let them share what they're feeling. Be careful to judge them because, you know, you never know what might be around the corner for you. But my advice to those to those families is uh, search your heart and see if there are any uh, any issues in your heart that any regrets that are in your heart. Uh, deal with them, confess them before God, and ask Him to to forgive you if it's something that needs to be forgiven and. And uh, allow Holy Spirit to just uh, renew your heart. Uh, it's critical. I would say that uh, being around people that love you can be family. It can be friends. And we had, uh, we had family and friends that were very kind and caring to us. In fact, we had one young lady that spent several months with us almost daily she would just she didn't say a lot she just came and sat at our house and prayed and read her bible and and it, and she at that time i don't know she couldn't have been much older than say 20 or 21 somewhere 22 but she was just there and once in a while we'd sit down and we would talk and other times she'd come and spend the whole day and uh leave and having never really had a serious conversation with us. Uh, but let people in your life. Uh, and, but that's why it's so important to people that, that you let into your lives are sensitive and not try to give you tons of advice. I don't, I don't feel comfortable giving a lot of advice to people because my experience, my wife's experience, may be totally different than other people. But there is one centering fact that I can't deny, and that's the, the reality of Jesus Christ in our lives. Uh, it, uh, it's imperative uh, that if you want, you know, if you want to have some source of comfort and some source of of uh, certainty. Uh, the only thing I can say is for Barbara and me, 
Christ keeps us centered and Holy Spirit is there. You know, Holy Spirit was the promise that God made through Christ before he was resurrected, that the Holy Spirit would be with us and be in us and he would never leave us or forsake us. He would lead us into all truth. And so I, I constantly, I constantly hear those little whispers in my mind, in my spirit. Uh, and, it, and it may be something significant. It may be nothing but a, a small thought. But I've actually had people, and you know where I work and you know what I do. But I, I've had a person come up to me and, and say to me, tell me about your Jesus. And Jerry, I've never, I had never witnessed to that person. Well, that's just a good okay. representation of yourself, though. Is that, it, well, is that they watched you and learned from you and you didn't have to yeah. say anything. Yeah. I have, uh, there was a mother that came in uh, who had lost her daughter and uh, she was just so distraught and I just felt uh, the need to pray for her and pray with her. And I did right there in the middle of the store and uh, we wept together. Uh, my, my tears were sadness. Hers were, you know, a horrible sense of loss for her daughter. Yeah. Well, one of my biggest fears is not remembering. Can you still hear your daughter's voices and their laughter? Uh, if I'm looking for it or listening for it, yeah. That's the last time that I remember, though, hearing clearly uh, Jackie's voice was one day, and I was really struggling that day. I was, I was really suffering. I was back in my bedroom. I was getting ready for work, and I just, I was weeping, to be quite honest. And I said, Jackie, 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 couldn't you have done something? And almost instantly, I heard her voice, Daddy, I did everything I could possibly do. And that's the last time I remember clearly hearing her voice. Uh, I don't recall ever hearing Jill's voice, but I do remember having a dream or a vision of her, and she was she was standing on a veranda, and that's not a word that I I use in my everyday <laughs> language, uh, but that was the word that that came to my mind, and she was dressed in the most beautiful fabric. It was like a chiffon. And uh, she was looking at this light and it was so bright that she was almost, her, her whole being was almost golden in color. She was a brunette, but her hair was almost a golden color. And uh, that was a comforting uh, thing that, that occurred. So I have reoccurring dreams to where I lose my daughter. She doesn't die, but I just lose her. Like she's there and then she's gone. And then there's like a, what feels like forever worth of panic. But the last dream that I had was the most vivid dream that I've had of her. Uh, I assume in like 10 years, man, I could see her face. I could see the scar on her head. I could see her blanket. I mean, to a T 
everything. And then I go to like tell people about this dream and the looks on their face is just like disheartening. But for me, I can remember. And that's the best part of having those dreams for me. Yeah. Um, well, really, there's uh, there's no room for anyone else to judge you or judge me or judge my wife or judge your ex-wife. They have no right to. No, man, not at all. I mean, so, I, I push those things aside. I mean, we had some some terrible things said to us. I mean, they were said by people that thought they uh, they were comforting, but you know, one said your daughters had a choice, but they chose to stay in heaven. Another one said, and we were told that this person said to another person, aren't they over this yet? And that was maybe a year after the wreck. Wow. It's been 32 years and I'm not over it yet. And I don't, I don't anticipate being over it until uh, my time is finished here and I walk across or go across however I, however God wants to do it. And I'm, I embrace my daughters again. I mean, I, I had a friend who, um, through another friend, I heard that he didn't come to the funeral because he didn't want to be another face in the crowd. And that, that was the last time I ever spoke to the guy. And that, that just broke my heart. Cause it's a guy like I, I grew up with forever. Um, but yeah, I completely understand that people do not know what to say or how to say it, especially when they have not dealt with it and they do not know what we are dealing with in our heads on a daily basis. Right. That's true. Um, can you tell me a story about how someone did something special for you and your family after the passing that restored your faith in mankind? Oh, there, there are literally dozens of stories, Jerry, of people that, that loved us. And that, I mean, we had friends that came from Orlando. We had people, friends that came from Jackson, Mississippi, came to be with us and, and just bring comfort and love and uh, compassion and, uh, A couple of of men that I that I love a lot and care about a lot uh, came up to me, and this may not be important to the people listening, but it was to me. And when I they stuck out their hand, and when I stuck out my hand, uh, they put cash in my hand, and they said, "You may need this. We don't want you to worry about having to go to the bank or anything." And I mean, these were not these were not little gifts. I mean, these were in the hundreds. Okay. That was a, that was such a compassionate act that uh, many people don't even think about doing that. And uh, it was, it was really, it was really helpful to us at the time. And I, you know, we honestly at that time didn't need the money, but it was just, it was an act of love. We had a, we had another friend who he said, uh, well, if you'll give me permission, I will handle a lot of the stuff that has to be handled with the funeral home. Remember that, Barbara? Kenny. 
he is deceased now, but he was, he was so kind to us and, and, and I let him do it and he did it very well. He did it probably better than I could do. And so the funeral was, was all worked out, you know, it was very important. Um, I, I remember a, a friend of ours who lived in Shelbyville and, uh, he had moved to Lexington and he didn't know about the wreck. And this was, I'd say three or four years, maybe after the wreck, he heard about it. And when he called me, I could hear in his voice, the sound of someone had, that was just there when it just happened. He was weeping. And, uh, you know, that's really special. It is. Uh, I, I, can, we have, I can tell you the retail company that we worked for paid for everything but $80 for the actual funeral costs for my daughter's funeral. Wow. That's a, that, those are good people. Yeah, to have, I mean, and we didn't know how much a check was going to be for, and the, the, the guy for the funeral home at, at the day of was like, Hey, look, I hate, I hate to ask you, but you know, and I was like, look, man, my store manager's coming with a check. I don't know how much it is. And the store manager came up. He's like, I got the check. I was like, can you give it to so-and-so? And he's like, yeah, and that person came up and said, it's everything but $80 of what we owe. So to have just that burden taken off your shoulders and right. I, I felt indebted to the company for a very long time. It, uh, I don't know if I told you this, this part of the story, uh, and it, it goes back to the day of the wreck. I think, I think it's important to maybe uh, tell this, maybe for someone out there that will hear this. But as I had as said, I was in central Indiana when, uh, when the wreck occurred, and uh, the friend that I was up there with, uh, came to the, I, I was managing nursing homes at that time. And I was back in the back of the nursing home with the administrator and we were going over some stuff. And he came up, he came back to the back of the, the nursing home and said, uh, just got a call from the office and it's urgent that we get back there as quickly as possible. That's all he said. I said, Joe, you know, nothing can possibly be that serious that we need to, leave right now he said we need to leave right now so I knew that he he was you know he was being serious and between the point where he told me that and we got out to the car I stopped him and I said Joe it's my daughter's isn't it wow he started to cry and I said they're dead aren't they and he said yes course i went on to say to him uh i want you to promise me that you will drive safely and carefully because there are there my wife and my other two daughters need me to be there yes sir but my, my point is this i believe that that was holy spirit holy spirit coming and saying that to me giving me that foreknowledge and i was i was very calm uh, you know, 
and I'm, I'm, I'm typically a pretty emotional person, but I was, I was very calm. Wow. And so, um, I encourage you folks who are listening to this, or will listen to this, to just be open to God speaking to you. You never know what he's going to say to you, but trust him. He will say something. Walt, thank you for all you do in our community. And thank you for taking time to make kids smile. And thank you for talking to me today. <laughs> it's a delight, Jerry. And I am so thankful that you gave, uh, gave me this opportunity. Uh, to talk about my girls, even though it's been 32 years ago or almost 32 years, we still uh, think about them constantly. Oh, I, I, and, uh, I, trust me. I know, man. I know. Yeah, each time we get to do this, it's just, it's special. So thank you for giving this opportunity to me. You are more than welcome, sir. I hope you enjoyed listening to Walt today. My goal through this podcast is to maybe find people who can relate and maybe be able to make people just a little bit more grateful for what they do have in their lives. As always, stay amazing, stay adorable, and stay awesome.